It was as if he kicked about three pounds of haggis that time because it hardly got off the ground. Three pounds of haggis. 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 Three pounds of haggis because it hardly got off the ground. Kia and good morning to Today Radio Studio 4 in Kirschberg, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport. You are with myself, Nathan Snade, and tonight joining me, Danny Hutchins. Squash two, two Wednesdays in a row, isn't it? Maybe there's no squash uh, for us these Wednesdays. And uh, with me, the Rigo, James Kent, back in the studio, probably episode, well, we're episode 160. And I'd say oh, you've, really? done a, you've done a, probably a decent dozen, would you say, there with us, Rigo? Who's counting? Yeah, who's uh, counting? Yourself, Danny, you're probably half, half a dozen, full of confidence. There's not one show Danny's been in with us and not worn a West Ham shirt. Does he always sit at the uh, end of the table? Yeah, big big chair. Big Big chair, chair. end of the table, West Ham shirt on. We're massive, mate. (laughs) Absolutely massive. You know where your roots are. (laughs) You know where your roots are. (laughs) Mate, listen, I've just seen you walk into the studio, Mr. James Kent, in a pair of shorts. That's Mm. very... That's very Scott Brown-like, and he's, he's not here tonight. It's in his honour. It's in his honour. It's in his honour. I think my legs are probably the same colour as his. Same so. colour? Yeah. You've got, you got a bit more beef on them. You're you know, a bit more, um, He'll be bit more Southern Hemisphere. I hope he's actually not listening to that. Oh, he's, he's all chest, isn't he? Skinny all, pins? Yeah. Skinny shirts. Skinny, he loves his skinny shirts. skinny shirt, the Scott. Because yeah. so. you've, I mean, with your uh, meandering around the world, you've managed to get collect a, a decent amount of uh, item with the announced stud Francais. You've been with, uh, obviously, the French Rugby Federation. You've dabbed in and out. You've done Monaco, uh, been been coach with them, with the Sevens team. Um, well, you, you, it goes on and on and on, to be honest with you. You've even done a little bit locally here with uh, Luxembourg, haven't you, for a short period of time. You must have a little bit of a, a kit or a, a wardrobe a dedicated to some of the, yeah. kit, the coaching staff put on. I think... Uh my top one would probably be the Canada gear, Under Armour, as oh, you know, probably the best, yes, the yes, best kit you can yes, get. Yes, um, yeah, that would probably be my top, top one. Like the the things that I hold on to that are in the, the cherish, yeah, in the N- closet there. Now, recently, Danny, I've been fortunate enough as a little Christmas gift from James himself to me. It was a pair of Stade Francais player socks. Outstanding. When they're training, they're the training stock yeah. socks. Ca- yeah. a, a pair of cappers, navy with with a dash of pink. Obviously, it's stud. Can I just add, not the cheap kappa. I once bought myself a pair of kappa socks in Trier. Horrendous. They lasted a week. Like they just, yeah. They'll be like the JD. They'll be like Sports Direct. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. They're not pack a five for, no. for under five. No, These no. ones are the money. Yeah. Do rugby Absolutely. players cut out holes in their socks as well? Like they you do, see a lot of yeah. footballers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes some of them prefer to wear their own socks, and then they. You know, cut, cut little holes around, cut around the, the ankle, so they're still yeah. wearing the, the really good question. Yeah. I actually googled that to myself while I was sitting on the couch over Christmas time. Um, why they have those holes? In why the they? Why well, I, I, I figured it, it was that, but then I would have thought that that was good for circulation, keeping keeping it quite yeah, firm more for recovery sense. I imagine because yeah. you see all like there was an article about Jude Bellingham in La Liga doing it, and apparently it's against the rules. 
So you're not meant to cut up your gear before you start playing. It's kind of disrespectful to cut. I mean, I'm a I'm a socks up man. You're a socks up man, Mister Kent. Mm, yep. I never had the calves for the socks uh, down. So I felt like when I was on the on the pitch, you'd have to have some big calves, especially when you're facing some big islanders who've got bigger calves. From a from a from a rugby rather than high than, <laughs> Exactly. I mean, we're talking about it, but there's only one footballer that wouldn't be able to pull his socks up properly, and they'd have to go to Grealish. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, his, he's got like his calves. Uh, as big as my thighs. He'd yeah. just sit, look silly with socks up, wouldn't he? I don't think there's socks big enough to go around. To them. get that, it's, a, it's one hell of a girth on those yeah. uh, on, on, on those. But things. also, you know, sometimes the socks that they wear don't really provide that same kind of grip yeah. uh, inside the boot as well. So sometimes they prefer to wear, for example, gym socks or more comfortable socks, like the ones that you have, but then have to wear the game day socks as well. Um, so that so sometimes you see that actually the bottoms cut off as well, don't they? So yeah, they yeah, actually so the just put the top, the bottom, yeah. cut the bottoms yeah. off. It's like a tube. Just leave the, like a tube, just leave the, leave yeah. the tops. When you go ahead for that game, are they brand new socks they're given yeah. for the match day? Because that's yeah. my thing with socks. I can't wear brand new socks. Like for squash, for example, if I buy brand new socks, they go straight into the washing machine. Because they're right. too slippy slidey the first time. Oh, yeah, but there's something. I mean, oh, wearing a brand new pair of socks, my friend. I wear them at home around the house, for sure. But I can't wear them on a squash court. Because I just find I'm just slipping and sliding slipping around within the shoes. shoes. Yeah. What about the ones with sticky at the at the bottom? I've got myself. I've got a Can't ten pack of those. Oh, you... I need to move a little bit. So very very peculiar. I wear those things. with shoes. It's like Cinderella over here, isn't very, it? Very Twinkle picky. toes. Very picky. Yeah. You see my movement, mate. There's yeah. a reason for it. <laughs> oh, quite. Just good thick pair of socks. Yeah. yeah. And then old rugby field, obviously, as well. Where it gets a bit nippy in the uh, in, in the cooler months as well. Yeah. You've, um, I wouldn't be. We're kicking a ball, maybe a football player. They must get sore feet kicking a, kicking a cold ball on a. I'm not. I've, I've clearly I've never done that before. Yeah, I mean, had a few games here in Luxembourg cancelled because uh, the pitch has been frozen. But it's not the funnest time of the year right now to be training or having matches. But as juniors, I remember turning up to pitches and pitches being frozen and ref going like, "Yeah, I mean, we're here. Let's go for it." The old toes. Well, for those of uh, for those of you who have just joined us, it is tonight. Is the Wednesday, the uh, the tenth of January. To can you believe it? Ten days into two thousand and twenty-four. Fortunately, got Danny Hutchins, who's a squash and sports pundit. Uh, James Kent, rugby, heavily involved with um, Stade de France, um, and is uh, with me tonight. So I'm very grateful that I've got uh, you two on board. Um, of course, we're gonna. There's, we talk about usually on the Wednesday night show that the local sports theme, is, local sports is our, is our theme. But I want to touch on something a little bit more with you guys tonight. And I saw it during midweek, and that was, um, and that was uh, sportsmanship. And it was merely an Instagram um, feed that came through, and it was where a two triathletes were were in their last furlong. Well, it's not shorter than a furlong because it's only a hundred meters, and they had a sharp bend. And the athlete with, uh, who was in front missed the turn and kind of kept going straight into the barrier because he perceived it to be going straight, whilst the whilst the chappy who was in second place was able to pass him, but he didn't. He hesitated and he waited for the last 50 metres and he let the man um, pass him and game th- come through and, and obviously on his, as Instagram does it, it dramatises these uh, you know with a, with a melody and made it um, more um, uh, harmonious and beautiful and sexy and all that and 
Did you have a lump what? in your throat? No, not at all. I went straight to the comments section because yeah. that's where you get the good bits. That's where, that's, where, that's where it is. And then you get the nasty bits, you get the, 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 the nice comments as well. So we'll come on and we'll touch on that. But that's going to be a little bit of the theme. And, of course, I've had a chat with you pre-show. Let's find out when for you what some great good sportsmanship, what were those moments, what were some poor sportsmanship. We'll probably even try to collectively come together and find who is the poorest sportsman that we've ever seen or come across or watched. Um, and yes, and that will be the theme of their show. But before I get into it, we're going to have to take a little wee short break of a moment in sport that for me was arguably the worst piece of sporting sportsmanship oh. ever to walk on. The big man has woken, and I can understand why he's woken. Oh. Now, everyone around Australia will have their uh, own ideas on that, and uh, we always get letters and phone calls about different things that happen, so I don't expect anyone to agree with me. Uh, I don't expect uh, that you'll get more than 50% agreement on anything. Let me just tell you what I think about it. I think it was a disgraceful performance from a captain who got his sums wrong today, and I think it should never be permitted to happen again. We keep reading and hearing that the players are under a lot of pressure and that they're tired and jaded and perhaps their judgment and their skill is blunted, well, uh, perhaps they might advance that as an excuse for what happened out there today. Not with me, they don't. I think it was a very poor performance. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Good night. Well, there, yeah, you have a sporting commentary at its best. Old Richie. And we know <laughs> who, who to make it more clear than Richie Benno. When he said, for me, that was the most disgraceful thing ever seen on a cricket pitch. I'm glad he added the cricket pitch part at the end of that sentence. I thought he was going to go for, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen. I was like, yeah. No, yeah, not him. To be fair, he did have a career post this incident, so I wonder if it still remained the worst thing he'd ever seen. On mm. Yeah, very, very so, because that was in the early, early days. For me, that was probably one of the most disgraceful, obviously, against uh, being a Kiwi. One of our greatest rivals would be Australia, and if we can ever get a Pavlova over them, then that was a Pavlova moment, because, uh, yeah. I actually like the very ending of the commentary when he actually says, Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Old broad, older broadcasting. You don't really see it yeah. tonight. Yeah. It's like, even news anchoring used to used to wish you, you know, good night, and now they just get straight into it, cut straight to the chase, and yeah. straight with a negative. And for us, you get a, stuff. You get negative stuff. For us, you get a chur. In New Zealand, when I grew up, we also got good night Kiwi. Oh. Little Kiwi went up to the satellite and he waved off, and that was sort of lights out for te- television in New Zealand in those days. Was good night. On the whole island? Yeah. Just turn it off? Uh, TV lights out on the on the whole uh, two islands, three islands there, Danny. Only one generator island. on the farm. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Right, before we get into sportsmanship a little bit later on in the show, let's talk about show uh, 160, which it is tonight. A little bit of a, or a little bit, it is a, it's a milestone for Let's Talk Sport here at Today Radio. Danny, what are those first couple you've got off there, mate? So 160, we've got Mitchell Stack, or Mitchell Stack. Bowled a 160 kilometers an hour ball to Ross Taylor at the Wacker at the 2015-2016 series. That's one hell of a delivery. I mean, the the, the fast boys. I think they get up to like 130, 140, mm. don't they? That's the that's the quickies. Yeah, the Sharabakta, Brett Lees, they were probably 145. Now, if you listen to Sunday's show, I think Scott might bring that one out. Because, and this is a spoiler alert, I think it's 161 is the fastest. Fastest ball ever. Yeah, fastest ball, 161.3 by by actor. That's the fastest. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a heavy ball flying that fast as well. well what, what, I was just thinking like tennis balls, baseball, balls. Ba- baseball. They're not far off. Yeah. As well. Well, they're, yeah, they're very precise as well. There's an interesting one as far as baseball, whether when the batter in baseball, are they working off reflexes, mm. do you know, or are they reading the body language and the cues of the pitcher? Uh, same is true of, you know, batsmen in cricket. Some actually try to... That's why Glenn McGraw, when he used to bowl, he used to cover up... Cover up the, the seam, didn't yeah, he? cover up the seam, so you assume you didn't know who, what was coming, but... Yeah, it's it's an interesting one to see whether it's more reflex based or. Uh, well, the other one with that is what what how, how's it going to how, how's the ball moving into you? Yeah. Mm. And then and then and how what what's this what's the swing like? Although a swing bowler probably the, a quickie's just normally sh- relatively straight, isn't it? There's not too much. Moving a bit. Moving in the air. That speed, it's still. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. That's when you get to those speeds, that ball's just moving. On the spot, almost. As well. I guess you could also argue is you, you you only need that fine nick and it quickly goes into the keeper's hands. Yes, but that fine nick and all of a sudden she's she's over the boundary. Would would you say that the well, I suppose with one day international and Test cricket, is the red ball harder to see than a white ball? I think probably for I wouldn't know. I don't have the the science behind me, but I think it'd probably be harder to try and. And see that red ball. See that coming. red ball coming off. Yeah. Yep. Just like in American football, it's harder to read than a rugby ball. Yeah. It's a bit smaller, but also the colour being brown as well is harder to track. To track. Yeah. 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 But see, when we go to twenty twenty, some of those balls are going and the bowlers are bowling, st- steaming in, and 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 the batsmen are doing all sorts of stunts mm. in front of the in front of the wickets, tapping it over. Yeah. Very easy. They can just nick one over and over their own shoulder and over the shoulder of the wicketkeeper and. Can go all the way to six for six runs. Mm. It just goes to show that speed that they, that they, these guys are, are kind of very. So there's reaction speeds because these guys have got like point two, point three of a second every time to actually make a decision. Same yeah. as the baseball point, batsman. Yeah, baseball baseball pitcher. I think it's point four of a yeah. second for the ball to go from from hand to from yeah from, from hand, hand to, to base. So they've essentially got yeah point two, point three of a second to. Well, then you uh, take your ba- brain processing time. Yeah. so you don't probably have time to actually think about. What you're actually doing. That's why they already, by the time it's left its hand, they already know what they're doing. They already know what shot they're playing and timed where the contact will be made, bat to ball. But in baseball... So by, re- by, by reading the cues but in, but, of the shoulders of, of the pitcher and... The batsman, and ba- uh, the, the batsman is, I mean, only trying to do one job, right? Yeah. Slug it out. Smash. Whereas cricket, you've got more variables of shots to play, whether you're yeah. going to defend it, whether you're going to attack it, chip it over the top. So, yeah. But I think it's also coming straight right straight at yeah. So there's no bounce. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in cricket. You've yeah, got the bounce, bounce, so you can play off the bounce. Yeah. Whereas, which is sometimes scarier. As which well. is pretty scary. Think about those bounces, bounces coming off yeah. your face. Nonetheless, it's like a beamer we... in baseball coming at you every every pitch. <laughs> exactly. I think we can all agree we don't want to be standing Fast, in yeah. a, a 160 kilometer delivery, whether it be baseball or cricket. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that Definitely. that that's fact. What else have we got there? So on 160, so that's 160 kilometres an hour. That would be 100 miles an hour. It's always yeah. a good one to know that. It is. It's useful. I mean, especially when you're driving in the UK in a European car and all of a sudden you're like, what is actually the speed limit here? 110 miles an now, hour? Now, Rego, you're the most travelled out of all of us and you've spent a little bit or you spent your schooling in the UK. Mm. What comes first for you? Kilometres per hour or miles per hour? Kilometres. Kilometres? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I do used miles. to. I used to do miles, but now with Canada as well. Canada was all in K's. Yeah, 
Canada was in K's, was it? Mm. But then you cross border to you the border US, to and, the US and, and they go in the miles. Yeah. Same with pounds; they do kilos in Canada as well. So they've got the metric metric system there. But whereas the states, they'll do Fahrenheit, Canada or Celsius. Yeah, bizarre, isn't it? Bizarre. What, what what do you think, Scott is? He's a, he's a miles per hour man or killer? Yeah, he's definitely a miles per hour man. I'm a miles per hour man only when it comes to the speed of cricket balls. Funnily enough. Oh really? And it's always on the radio. Like when you're watching uh, the cricket, it'll always be miles per uh, hour. Yeah, tennis serving. Yeah, yeah, very often Wimbledon, obviously. Yeah, always miles per hour. I'm guessing Wimbledon and the US do the miles per hour, but the yeah, the Australian so. and French mm-hmm. would 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 do k per hour. There he is, very factual. 160 kilometers. Uh, p- Sorry, 160 kilometres per hour equals 100 miles an hour. Staying on that, I, lo- I checked out what was the fastest recorded uh, mile run by a, by a horse ever, achieve, uh, ever achieved. Um, it was a name of a horse called Winning Brew that completed a mile in one minute and eight seconds, or 8.81 to be con- concise. That's another, that's another beast moving. They reckon they'll never get beat as well. They reckon with the way that horse has been bred for so long now by humans that they've basically reached anatomy, uh, like perfection in terms of their anatomy. So yeah. In terms of how they're actually going to be built up as an animal, you can't get them much faster than they've actually been produced now. Been produced. So the genetics over genetics, time is like, yeah. like, like, like man, I guess. We're, we're, we are now well, bigger than what we were. Hey, well, there's a few... Few guys on Putin's potions that could probably get a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> very, very much so. Danny, you like darts? I got a one sixty checkout. Probably one of the easiest. Yeah, 60, 60, 40, isn't it? It's a nice one, isn't it? Because yeah. you just stay up top. You stay up tops, and stay and they give way, you good. Yeah. You get get in that zone, and then you can go one one nice uh, yeah. one nice. We like that one. 60, 60, 40. Would you rather uh, have a one seventy checkout or a one sixty checkout? I mean, realistically, I'm gonna. I'm much more likely to hit a 160 than a 170. Yeah. It's exponentially more difficult, I'd say, 170 to a 160. Yeah, to get that to get that ball fin- to get that ball to get that ball finish would be um, another challenging one. The 160th day of the year is the 9th of June, and that makes us uh, makes me think a time to remember. Andrew Simmons, who was born on on this day in 1975, sadly passed away two, a couple of years ago, wasn't it? In a uh, in a well, a single car crash, wasn't it? I think yeah. he rolled his Ute in the yeah. I'm saying the outback, but in the countryside. Yeah, good old Roy. He's a um, yeah, solid uh, solid batsman, or but even did a bit of bowling for Australian all, cricket all rounder, wasn't he? All round good bloke, and, and all round good bloke. Did a little yeah. bit of uh, commentary on smoked a streaker when he. That's right, Jim. He, he did it. So that same year, he did a preseason with the Broncos. Uh, oh, are you serious? Yeah, and so he could he could bang. He's a he was a big man as well. That's so right. Streak around straight and just dropped them. He dropped the, dropped the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see that, Danny? Didn't see that one. Yeah, he came yeah. A, he came across outrageous. The, streak, the, the streaker sort of swerved and then he just stepped out, bang, shoulder charged, floored him, and then just carried on. I've got a funny feeling it was at the Wacker. Where is the Wacker, Danny? W A C C A. Where's the Wacker? Uh, the Wacker is in Brisbane or Perth. Perth, Perth. Western Australian cricket. Uh, 
Cricket, cricket clubs. Yep, yep, you got it, you got it, you got it. Moving on to sport and the history and the world today. 1911, Trumper, he scored a double cricket ton versus South Africa and he went on to get 214. Now, Trumper was a... um, one of the batsmen before, obviously, Bradman's era, but he was uh, one of these, uh, how, how do you call it? He was known for his agile. He was a small guy, but could do anything. He was he was one of the... Yeah, Tendulkar's probably the best way. He's, he's a, bit, a bit, bit flashy. Anyway, he um, he got a double ton um, in 1911. Takes me on to 1930, New Zealand's first game of Test cricket, would you believe? I was quite surprised from that. I thought the first game of Test cricket for New Zealand would have been before the 1930s, but it was held in Christchurch um, in New Zealand. An Englishman, Morris Ellum, he took a uh, took a test hat trick. Not surprising if it's only New Zealand's first uh, test. We give them a we give them a little breathing space there, Rigo. I'll give them that. <laughs> I hope we <laughs> win. You get bold, but you get a, a guy called Maurice who takes a hat trick. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's so, an Englishman called Maurice, no less. Common name back in the thirties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mo. What do we got? Nineteen eighty-two. Petra Snyder. She swam a world record fifteen hundred meters freestyle in fifteen minutes forty-three seconds. What do you got there in nineteen eighty-five, Danny? In nineteen eighty-five, we had uh, Lenny Wilkins uh, became the first coach to coach a thousand NBA games uh, when his Seattle SuperSonics defeated the Golden State Warriors in eighty-nine uh, ninety season. I can say I miss the Seattle SuperSonics. You miss the Seattle SuperSonics. I really do. Just because of the name. Yeah, the yeah, name, I agree. The yeah, name, yeah, and the shirt. I mean, this shirt, is this is our era. Gary, Gary, Gary Payton, like yeah, just some that's right. Yeah, some classic players come out of you know Seattle, and just yeah, the name, the jersey. There's, I do miss that. Yeah. You, something came across. I don't. Uh, do the Charlotte Hornets? Do they still play as the Charlotte Hornets? No. New Orleans Hornets. So the New Orleans, Orleans Hornets, and then it was the Charlotte Bobcats for a while. But Bobcats were before the Hornets, though, were they? No, no it was after. after. After? Yeah, when New Orleans took the name Hornets. I think they were Charlotte, were another. Was it Charlotte NC? Charlotte, I believe there was something before mm. the Hornets as well. I think of Charlotte. I well, think of the, Charlotte Hornets. So Do you know the Lakers, where the Lakers were before LA? No. Minneapolis. Okay, there we go. Bit of a change Weird, as well. Yeah, yeah, with the moving of the franchises yeah. across the country. Well, there's a lot of movement of franchises, particularly right now. A lot of them are moving away from the um, away from the west west coast because yeah. they just don't have the the people going to the games. They don't have a lot well, of people. Leave. The, the Raiders mm. got moved from Oakland to Las Vegas. So. <laughs> I wonder. I, I wonder why. Probably very very sensible. Yeah. Move. Probably cheaper. Yeah. Not cheaper. Well, uh, but Oakland Bay, itself as a city is is deteriorating. Yeah, but it's I suppose because of the Bay Area and the influence that, um, you know, I suppose Silicon Valley and everything, it, it's driven prices up mm. as well. California yep. state tax as well compared to probably somewhere like Nevada where you don't have a lot of tax compared yep. to California. Is that in Delaware? Do they have many teams then? Because there's not much yeah. state tax there, right? Delaware, I can't think of a team. Mm. Texas, I think, is meant to be pretty good state tax, which would explain why they've got, you know, a lot. Houston, Dallas, Austin—they've all got their teams. So where you where are you putting your MLR? Where are you putting the James Kent Major League Rugby side? Where are you going to base yourself? Depends if I want to live there. <laughs> Special well, place. I mean, there's one in San Diego. San Diego's not a bad place to live, but again, you talk about California. 
state tax, but and you're, I, still, you're I, on I'd, honestly, you're Seattle. On a, I'd go Seattle. You go Seattle. Yeah, I'd go Portland or Seattle. I'd go that. You know, Danny, where are you putting your MLR, your rugby, your rugby side? I like the idea of Maine. It'd be quite cold up there, so if you can get used to it, then opposition teams coming to you are going to have a bit of a struggle. I'd say. Yeah, I've just watched the Beckham um, Netflix series, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna join I'm gonna join I'm gonna go Florida. Florida, yeah. Yeah, well, my, I'm going to go Miami, and I'm going to go, yeah, I'm gonna, and, and hopefully share the stadium with Beckham. And uh, and you can retire there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a warm-weather boy. Clearly, a um, clearly you are a cold-weathered uh, yeah, yeah. soul yourself. 1986, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the Los Angeles Lakers, he scored his 34,000th career point over 124, 102 win over the Indiana Pacers at the time. He was the only NBA player to reach that milestone at the time and the and he held that career uh, career record until 2023, uh, who was just recently surpassed by the big man himself. Mm. Um, 1989, LA Kings centre Wayne Gretzky. He became the NHL's all-time leading scorer in a combined regular season. Um, it's is it, it's just amazing how these names are still coming. You know, still coming up for, the, for these records. Like Wayne Gretzky holds so many records. And well, last and, week we were talking about him as well. Yeah, he did this day. He seems every single Wednesday, every single Sunday, uh, mention Wayne's name. I feel. Yeah, he's done something on every single. Day. Yeah, the other the other one that comes up frequently, Don Sir Donald Bragman. He still holds holds record. Tendulka comes up freak, frequently as well with some amazing um, as amazing feats. But here's one for you, a little bit closer to now. It's in 2021, three years ago. In fact, the PGA of America they pulled the two, 2022 PGA Championships from t- Trump National uh, Golf Club at uh, Bedminster in New Jersey days after supporters of President Donald Trump attacked the U.S. Capitol. We've got three birthdays on this day. Danny, far away. So we've got George Foreman, uh, famous of the Foreman Grill, I imagine, or was it? No, mm. he's a boxer, right? Eh? Yeah. Yep. So uh, his birthday is 75 today. Then we got Faith Kipyegon, a Kenyan athlete. She won the Olympic gold for the 1500 in 2016 and the World Championship gold in 2017. And Mason Mount, um, formerly of Chelsea and formerly of England, now playing for United. Mm. Well, not playing. And there we have it. While well, we just we've just talked a lot about cricket in the moment. Do you? Um, and we were talking about the hat trick out in New Zealand on the Test. Have a listen to this hat trick by the Shane Bond himself, the New Zealand cricket player. Absolute stunner of a hat trick in this moment. Have a listen to this. Whoa! On your bike, way she goes. A magnificent hit of ball, Cameron White. Simon's out, gone, has got two in a row, he's on a hat-trick, Bond, well, well, all of a sudden, Bond, bouncing, no ball, wicket, wicket, and it's seven for 286 in the final over. Got it! Hat-trick, slower ball, beautifully bowled, well done Shane Bond, good comeback, back and strong, and it's another wicket down, all the New Zealanders, well done. And Bond, not Jane, Shane with a hat-trick. 
Yeah, uh, one of the best hat tricks uh, for me, obviously, comes from a Kiwi, so I am going to be very, very biased, of course. Now, listen, guys, we're going to be talking about um, sportsmanship. What is it, you know, like, um, obviously, there's been some amazing um, sporting performances over the years or over the history of sport, but... uh, Obviously, we're also interested about those moments of great sportsmanship and sort of what typifies, you know, sportsmanship because Danny and I, we were off air, we were having a good conversation. Uh, yesterday, we have a bit of a chat about it as well. There's been many moments of, of sportsmanship um, that have, have occurred. And one of the interesting things is also the cultural differences that we can think of with what sportsmanship is. So we probably the three of us are going to be a little bit more biased to... English sports and sportsmanship versus the US sports and sportsmanship. So, for example, one of the things we come across is um, when a player swaps shirts with each other, which we probably see in most days in football, but in the NFL, yeah, in the NFL, they, they, they don't swap shirts quite as frequently. And when they do, it's normally it's a sign of respect that that player has had a really good, a really good game in both. But it, but in, in, English terms are in football. We kind of give them away freely, don't we? People give them away at half-time nowadays. You see some football players at half-time swapping shirts going down the tunnel. They just get a second shirt for the second half. Um, yeah, I think you said the right word there, respect. Mm. It's more of a respectful thing rather than a sportsmanship thing, perhaps, I would say. I think Players are just doing it for their collection, though, right? Yeah, of course. And they've probably got two or three shirts that they can give one to to the little kitty that says, I would like your shirt, please, because you're my favourite player and I'm only six years old. And then they go and swap shirts in, in the tunnel. What, what, what would they do at half-time? Well, you see it got out of control, didn't it? It got out of control. It came in the news last year. Had, like, uh, if you're playing up against Ronaldo or something, you'll go, okay, someone else is going to get there at full-time. So players are going up to him at half-time going, like, can I have your shirt? And so you're getting your shirt at half time, so you're making sure you got your Ronaldo, you got so your Messi. You know, what chat with them before the game, wouldn't you? <laughs> exactly. Ronaldo will come you along your mind the, to be in the warm Messi, they come with about 20 over. shirts and give them, give them to the whole squad, <laughs> hand yeah. them out, give them to the physio. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I find that bizarre, especially when bizarre you're talking well. like elite level. You shouldn't be fanboying at half time when you've still got half the game to go. No, yeah, exactly. And, if and you're, we're if you're elite sportsmen, right? Yeah. We're not. We're not talking about. We're not talking about another incident that we're going to come off, or another situation that, that was fabulous that we heard during the week. It's yeah. It's 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 a strange, crazy. One, yeah. Yeah. What about what what happens in the top fourteen, James? Do, do they do they swap shirts? Do they? Uh, yeah, they ha- they do they do at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're not. It's not always um, welcomed by the kit man and the. <laughs> <laughs> he has to go and print the another stingier, uh, the stingier another. ones yeah, yeah. Um, definitely don't do it at half time I've never seen that before but um, yeah no they will they will exchange um, the international level they they do they definitely do like yep. and even staff like I when when I was with France we played the Wallabies obviously I wanted some Australia, what we, yeah. Was it was it the Capri's on the front that you were after? <laughs> but, but mate, I, I, we, we we played them. Yeah, that was a part of it. But <laughs> I waited. I waited until the third test to do it. Do you know? Like I didn't do it after the first because we play them two more times. I was like, just relax, yeah, hold, and, hold, yeah. that. building yourself up to do yeah. And so did so did most of them. To be fair, like most of the staff anyway. Some of the players, but there's a sign that therefore that's a sign of respect, right? Yeah. Yeah, series and concluded, and I think it's always your opposite number that you know. You, if I, if I'm a 
centre. I'm not going to go try and get a you know a tight head props jersey. You're not getting a prop, you won't fit yeah, it. No, <laughs> I'll probably play the you know try it against uh, my opposite man. Yeah, opposite man. I think that's swap and squash. Uh, yes, we I have swapped in squash, but it was normally at the end of the tie or end of the tournament. So you're thinking, I mean, we played Hungary as an example. And, um, yeah, in fact, there's a nice thing. I, we played Hungary. We, we were in the same team. Was it Annex and Provence? Did we mm-hmm. play Hungary? And it was, and I played them on my birthday. Yeah. And on that day, they they gave me a, a signed, um, not a flag, but a like a pin, one of those. Um, what do you call it? It's a flag, but it's but you hang it up on a yeah, wall. It's got a little a hanger on it. Yeah. The, like a banner. Banner, like a small banner. Yeah, an a an A four size crest. There we go. And they signed they signed it for me. And none of them were Mark Krajak. He was he, he was the number one. He's the name we were thinking of the other day. Yeah. And and they and all the team signed it. Said yeah, happy birthday, Nathan. Hope you have a, yeah. you know a great day. So that was a, a guy a sign of respect and a nice thing. To be honest, I still got it to this this day. Uh, actually. Recollecting a little bit, I actually picked up a very nice Luxembourg jersey right in this very studio. Very much so. A signed, nice. signed, and dedicated, and framed, and up on the wall. You know. So, w- if I conclude that moment on yeah. there, would we agree that handing over shirts is a sign of sportsmanship, or or is it just respect? I think it's probably more a sign of respect. I think the sportsmanship is happening, if you take football, between the 90 minutes. It's happening on the pitch and it's happening in a sporting competition, whereas I think that shirt given, that's something happening afterwards, so it's mm. more falling into that brackets of respect. And I think maybe Agreed. when we go through our answers, we'll see more on-the-field sportsmanship, perhaps. During, yeah. 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 All right, I'm going to go into one particular of a sportsmanship uh, situation that happened. It was at the 1936 Olympic Games in, um, in Berlin when Lutz Long, the um, German, um, he set a Olympic record during the heats to qualify for the finals. Now, American Jesse Owens, he fouled his first and second jump and faced disqualification if he failed, like, for the third time. Now, Long, who was, uh, obviously, as I said, he was a German, he advised Owens to adjust his takeoff point to several inches behind that, obviously, that white foul line um, to ensure that he would advance to the to the next uh, round. Obviously, Owens took that um, advice, qualified the finals, and actually set a new world record and won the Olympic gold, which we've become, most of us have become too, uh, accustomed to. Now, Long, he came second, um, and which obviously took a lot of courage for him to be be be, be friend in front of Hitler at the time. Yeah, no. So really, for me, that is you know it gives me a little bit of shivers shivers when I think about it. If you take yourself um, take yourself back that far, and Nazi, that Nazi Germany, and then in Nazi Germany, yeah. and 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 showing sportsmanship for me that is that is sportsmanship. And in those days, there weren't a thousand cameras. Yeah, uh, watching, picking it up. You're not on Instagram glorifying those moments um, at all. For me, that's um, that's rather rather remarkable and and up there with you know one of the one of the great sporting moments. Rego, what about for yourself? If you have to put, um, I won't go through all five. We'll just give me give me one, I'll, and we'll, we'll go around the table. Yeah, um, Tana Umanga against Colin Chavis, or well, not against, I should say. Jerry Collins smoked Chavez to the other That's right. He gave me, he, he smoked him. It was down in the cake tin, if I remember mm. rightly. Tana then rolled him over. Put him in the recovery guard, position. Took the mouth guard in. Middle of play. And yeah. I think, 
maybe it was the start of, you know, cameras picking that kind of stuff up and now you see it a lot more, you know, as soon as a player gets hit um, and falls completely unconscious and you see guys put them into recovery positions. I feel though that was like, as you mentioned, before being glorified on social media and people then repeating it and putting it out on LinkedIn and then being able to tie it into their company for however, in however yeah. way, like this was done just purely reactive, purely um, sportsman-like. Yeah, just concerned. Yeah. Was yeah. this before or after he spare tackled a dress school uh, that time? That was two thousand and five. Five. That yeah, was that was, that was two thousand. Yeah, it was two years. Yeah, yeah. Colin yeah. Chavez actually who's now I think part of the players trying to sue um, for concussion. Oh, a whole list of players. Chavez is in, in that. Chavis, in, I think he's in that group. In that group as well. Yeah. Wow. We. Yeah. That. That's right. No. You were certainly. We are seeing it a, a, a lot more in rugby. Yeah. But I think that is for the general welfare of the. If, yeah. For, for for the athlete, yes, but for the game as, as as well. I think a lot of the players are taking. To be fair, I mean, if you get hit by Jerry Collins, you you stay hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fifty two. You need, need fifty two centimeters bicep. Yeah. I mean. Fair crack of the sauce bottle. That is that is one hell of a interesting. One uh, of interesting thing about uh, Jerry, he was um, he ended up working security on an oil rig in Canada. That's right, he did indeed. Yeah, he had a bad time in in um, in Japan. Yeah, he had a, had a bit of a rough time. I, I think whether he was hallucinating or yeah. something went on, and he was. He was uh, hiding in a department store with a with a with a kitchen knife. Something wasn't quite right, and he managed yeah. to get out. and He went with his wife. Was his wife Canadian? Wasn't yeah, she? She's Canadian. Canadian. So he was, he was working there. Actually, I think he played a couple of games, but he, um, yeah, he was just in in Alberta. Yeah, imagine that. You just rock up to your local, you know, game in Calgary, and you you see Big JC standing Big in front of you. Yeah, I wonder how many people would know. I mean, there would be obviously rugby rugby heads up there that would know that he's in in, in town. And then he came, move, he moved south, and he went to um, not Perpignan, but um, he went south, and he, he met up with uh, Jason Justin Harrison. Was it was his club? Yeah, he went. He bounced to a few places. I think he went. He was at Toulon. I think maybe. Yeah, no, yeah he went to Toulon, but uh, he, uh, he went. No, but he went somewhere else before that to a smaller, like second division oh, club, yeah. and they're trying to get promoted. And that's where sadly he passed away on the on the, on the motorway in the in late night coming back from a barbecue. Actually, really, very, very sad story. Um, yeah, really sad story. Actually, was lucky enough to grow up with Jerry and under under Wellington Sport when I was playing squash. I went to a lot of the sports awards dinners and and uh, lo- lovely, lovely guy. Got he was he was a garbo, wasn't he? Like and in, his, in in New Zealand before he got he signed professionally, he was a work in the streets as a guard. Oh well, I, I can from the age of thirteen, fourteen, he, he they knew he was going to be top rugby player. Right. He was he wouldn't say he was fast tracked or anything, but he was playing for North, which put the club in Pyrua, and he was um, yeah, he, they they just knew that he this guy was going to be going to be. I'm not sure if he went to what school he went to actually, if he went to Rongatai or not. But yeah, they knew straight away that. So whether he was actually a Garbo or not, I think he would have done that. But it might have been a, a holiday, a, yeah, a holiday um, job. Yeah. Oh, Jerry, you wouldn't want to get clubbed by that guy. He um, he certainly wrenched a few. What about yourself, Danny? What have you got? What's one of the one that hits that hits the nerve for you? I mean, let's go for the West Ham one. So we got Decanio. Decanio, yeah. Decanio against Everton, where ball comes in, goalkeeper's gone down injured just in the build up to the play, and the cross comes in, and rather than nod it into the back of the net. Decanio's gone and caught the ball and uh, asked for the referee to make sure that the uh, goalkeeper's doing all right. I think looking back at it today, in my head, it was a clear opportunity for him to score. I did watch it back today and 
if he would have scored from that position, it would have been a very impressive goal. So it was a good moment to be sportsmanlike, I think. So he actually went to. Catch. Well, why would it be impressive if there's no goalkeeper there? Well, it was at the edge of the box, and there was probably about six players between him and the goal, and there's also two, three players either side of him when he actually caught the ball up in the air. Yeah, so. but now with those moments, with the, there was nothing to Kenny I could miss. I mean, everything that he, everything he hit in that That's era, it was. Days, yeah. 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 So I got that one in there for sure. Yeah. Very. The first one that came to mind. Yeah. If we think, obviously we've just gone around the table there and we brought out a couple of um, a couple of classics, but then if we go, we, we talk about what, about what has been some worst sporting sportsmanship moment. Going to flip it on its flip the coin on on this one, mm. you know. It, it's sad to say this, but most of the times I think football. Yeah, I, I, I you know, like it's a bite. It, it, it's yeah. just this game that's whether it's the the fans and the intensity of the fans being so close and the and the foul language that's coming out of the fans' mouth, the intensity. They, they'd say it's hatred or these ultras, the chanting. Whether that and puts these players into these positions or not is another thing. But when I come to think of it, one of the one of the all-time greats, who I think was a, is a I, I still see from what I see on TV, I, still, I think that he's a, a gentleman. He speaks very, very well. I know he's, he's no, no longer on Sky Sports. But Terry Henry playing against Ireland, France versus Ireland, where he clearly handballed. And and it sent. I think it, it meant that Ireland could no longer go. Is a World Cup qualifier? Qualifier, but but France could still go through. I believe it was it was just a one off knockout game between the two of them. So I think they'd both finish second or third in their respective. Okay, goals. so that was. And then they had to play a playoff, and the winner basically goes to the World Cup. And Henri, ball comes over the top, and he controls it with his hand just to keep it in play before slotting it home. And uh, I mean that is. Okay, it's it's clear it's it's cheating, isn't it? Because he knows what he, what he's done, but he hasn't acknowledged it Maradona. to the Maradona. Same year. At what point do you say cheating? I mean, is cheating always related to unsportsmanship conduct, or are there other examples of unsportsmanship conduct? When I think of cheating, I think it's the first thing that my old man would say. If you're playing backyard cricket, maybe bowls down the hallway, maybe skittles and stuff, and you know that that skittle hasn't gone down and you've clearly counted six rather than seven, you know, you count seven skittles going down rather than the six that actually went down, your old boy would clip you across the ears and say, that's cheating. Mm. And that, for me, that goes into the sportsman. So yeah, I would I would say yeah. that that sportsman. And the, the argument to that is say, well, there is a referee, and then that referee has to identify that I have Conduct. broken the rules. Yeah. I said I've just used the word cheating. No, but and I just still think to this day how his his chin will be would have been so much higher today again, knowing that hey, this was a man that. It's just as well. His chin is very, very, very high as it is. is it, uh, that's right. So, so I understand. Walking around horizontal. His chin <laughs> high, so. Just as well he ha- handled that ball. But I think like, coming back to the referee involved in this as well, like the aim of all these sports isn't to con the referee. Mm. So when you're going, when you're doing that stuff, it is cheating. It's not, you can say it's part of the game, say diving and football and trying to win free kicks in tactical areas. Of course it's part of the game, but... There's a very thin line between part of the game and cheating, I think. Look, what about Richie McCaw? I, I mean, yeah. Hey? Yeah. Hey? 
Who did yeah, one thing exactly. in his life? Hey, put, put him on the spot here. Hey? Put him on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> Offending no, a national I icon. I, I cannot believe. I'm just I saying, you, you're not trying to, con the, trying to con the referee. You're not trying to con the referee, but he is. He is, yeah, for years. For this years, guy just, years. this guy was head down, bum up for uh, for the career of his rugby journey. In fact, if you look at the if you look at the man tonight, it was, it's what's the time? It's, it's quarter past seven in the morning. He's probably been up for two hours already because he's, he's had to do a run. He's, he's in? had to do a run and feed the feed the kids. This guy is a head down, bum up man. He wouldn't know if he's cheating or not. It doesn't matter what time of the day you bring up Richie McCaw, that's exactly the answer yeah. you get from Nathan. It's pretty, it's pretty, like, he's already got it in his mind. It's ingrained. 2am yeah. in the morning, you yeah. go Richie McCaw. And but Quade Cooper shoving Richie McCaw, unsportsmanlike. Yeah, uh, It was, it, he didn't show, I think it was, it was probably even worse was the rub of the head. Oh, mate. <laughs> you're going to tell me that doesn't happen in games. It happens every game. <laughs> it happens in rugby. You get clapped at, yeah. you get a little rub on the nah, head. That, all that sort of stuff. That's, uh, all that, all that stuff's sort of all right. Quake Cooper, he, he's not the biggest villain for me. But George Regan, four more years, boys. Is that unsportsmanlike? No, that's exactly. that's good old banter, and that's that's great Australian banter, and we love it. We we I, I don't mind chit chat, chit chat, and talker to your opposition is is good. Banter is good, yeah. and it is is yeah, and it should go both ways. Of course, there's love there's sledging, but uh, I'm a, I, I, I I honestly I don't mind. I think we see so we, we it brings out some of the best. Is there sledging and squash? Oh, oh yeah. hell yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. yeah. Jesus, yeah, lots of it. Jesus. Lots of it. Should uh, should Mike up? I mean, was, oh, Mike, Mike, Danny, up. You'll see what's coming under my breath <laughs> for him. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, yeah. a lot going on in the squash court. It's a small space. Yeah, I think that's why we were talking about this. How sportsmanship is so important for the game of uh, squash. Yeah, because you are sharing this space, and the rules are very much the opinion of the person watching it. So yeah. when it comes to lets or strokes, these are all very opinion based um, judgments essentially. Yeah. So if someone's going out there with not the best intentions to share the call as it's meant to be. Um, squash can quickly turn farcical if yeah. there's no spa- sportsmanship on the court, I think. Yeah, it's a bit of trash talk. I mean, for me, like, it feels because it's so intense, if you're trying to catch your breath when you can, it's a bit of... Oh, look, but these boys... Yeah, but these are called the Wellington Arse here. In yeah, I mean, because it's just called... You, you, you're allowed to, you're allowed to, you have to make space for your opponent to go to the... To yeah, get so. to have access to the ball, right? You can't, you can't, you can't block. So you can't play a ball and 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 block them. Mm. But, but you can, you, but you can. Well, well, steady, Trevor. <laughs> what you can do is though you can utilize the space to play your shot. Mm. So in this case, he's calling it Nathan's ass or Wellington's ass, as it, as it's known, because I got it from a good friend, Corey, Corey Love, who might be actually listening to the show tonight. He, you, you can, you can poke your bum out or your hip out and play that ball. Now, knowing that your yeah, opponent is going to come in, but you're taking them off, let's say, okay, well, I would say one millimetre, but but Danny would claim 10 millimetres. And that's just enough. A good power and seat, it's eh? just enough because of the speed of their ball. It's just enough to take them off that angle so they don't get the right, yeah. the 100% that right line. Like a screen in basketball. If there's a screen, you can't yeah. necessarily go through, but you have to try and get around. Yeah, so, same, so, very, very similar. So so that you're allowed to use your space. However, there are some players, and I'll go back to Gregory Goltier, who was on our very first show of Let's Talk Sport. Now, he used to play, and and um, who's cop- I would say who copies him, the, 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 um, Asal right now, plays the ball. Now, it's one thing to have your hip or your bum out, but to have your trailing leg out. Mm, that happens a lot. We'll that which is, which, which, is so, which means that that next player doesn't have to move around that hip. They actually have to jump over the leg. Mm. Well, we, we know that. Yeah. So we, we know that. And, and for me, that's, 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 a, that's a no-no. The arse is fine. The leg is not. Yep. 
Yeah, there we go. Yeah. You heard it on Let's Talk Sport. Right. Tune in for more dark, the dark arts <laughs> of the squash court. <laughs> I'll give away all our secrets. Then. Very, very much so. Have you got another one there for us, Rigo? I've got it as far as unsportsmanlike. I've probably got uh, old Iron Mike having a having a nibble at the air, having a nibble. He got a bit hungry at bedtime, didn't he? Yeah. There was no oranges on site, so he had to go at um, Evander Holyfield. Yeah, there, didn't I he? reckon that's that's probably a little bit out of place. <laughs> Just slightly <laughs> was yeah. a piece of air on the canvas. Yeah, yeah. And then, I think it'd be interesting. Wouldn't it be interesting to have those two in the in, in the studio now? Wouldn't it be interesting? Make a call. Would they be Would they be mates? Uh, to, to quote Iron Mike, sign the contract, big boy. Sign <laughs> the contract. I think they are mates now. I think they yeah, they, they, they got times. over it. Didn't they try to have a fight come back last year or two years yeah. ago or something? Celebrity. It'd be a yeah. celebrity. Jeez, have you seen Tyson though? Back, I wouldn't go near him. Yeah. Wade Lean. He's an animal. He's an animal. He's close to six. I think he's fifty eight. All he eats is liver. Un- I think. Yeah. Unbelievable shape. Mm. He always was a number. Well, he went. He did a golf. He went off the radar there for a. He's got a weed farm out somewhere, and apparently that's all he does: is smoke his own weed and uh, and keep fit. And keep fit. Box. Yes, yeah, he's in. He's, he's in, in some this, form. So, and we say he's fifty-eight years old now. Fifty-eight. Yeah, I tell you what, he uh, he can bang though. He can still bang at sixty. Yeah, I never forget if um, a Hollyfield jumping up on the canvas like he had it in a state of fit, rather than I mean. It hurt him. Fortunately, he had. Did he have the mouthpiece? He would have had the mouthpiece, and so it would have been a bit softer, but still a hunk out of. Yeah, there's some force. Some, yeah, yeah, still some force to get a get a yeah. get a, a chunk out. We've had biting, and we've had eye gouging in rugby. We have, yeah. And and it's not not on. You know, it's been on several I've, occasions. Mate, I've been bitten on a rugby field. I've actually had the teeth marks. I'm wondering are they not wearing mouth guards. Yeah, I showed the referee. I remember showing the referee. Oh, well, I didn't see it, so I don't know who to penalise. <laughs> That's right. It's, bit, it's a bit. It's a bit. Uh, let's say moving down the ranks because you 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 wouldn't have been playing televised event. Yeah. You yeah. Can, I mean, how's the referee to know? Uh, to know? Yeah. And I mean, even even last year with Stud, we played Russing, and there was an accusation of a bite, and then we played the Christmas Eve game, and it flared up. Big time over the try line. The players know who it is, right? So yeah, the players yeah. got so the, our, our number eight knew that it was their halfback. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. always the little fellas. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he uh, he blew up, blew up big time. Went for him, um, and he actually ended up getting a yellow card, if I remember. Which surely, if you're getting a card for a bite, it's a red. But yeah, he just got a yellow. So it's interesting with the biting thing. I mean, Luis Suarez obviously probably been mm. mentioned. Um, yeah. A lot of the time where that's coming from is from that just have to win, getting frustrated sort of cycle. It's not, the Luis Suarez doesn't sit out on the football pitch, it's like, I fancy taking a chunk out of even if it's uh, his uh, shoulder. He goes out and something clicks in his mind. Because as you said, it's, it's, playground, it's, it's, well, it's, it's kindergarten stuff, it's crash stuff, but... Biting. I mean, maybe I'm going a bit too deep or thinking a bit too too much into it. But I was always told, and I and I and I share this now with with players when they are crying. I share this: a, a human, or even as an adult, we cry when we do not have the words to justify the pain or the loss. And and, and the first thing we can think of is obviously, a, let's say, a death in our in our family or close family. We we burst into tears because there's nothing, there is no word on this planet that you can find to describe that emotion, right? So if we go back through the ages and we come back to, to a child, we can go, a child cries because their vocabulary is just not 
sound enough or sufficient enough to express there, when you think about it, tomorrow morning we wake up and the little one k- yeah. k- kicks off on a, t- on a well, tantrum. I mean, it's, There's it's, a little bit of an understanding, right? Yeah, and, and not knowing how to manage your emotions, yeah. which for me then leads on to these elite high-profile athletes who have an abundance in preparation as far as physical and mental development and mental training and managing emotions and managing your state of mind to be able to perform at the elite level is probably some now 60% of the game like everybody does the same stuff as far as physical the, the preparation physical training. Yep. it's all the same everywhere you go whatever sport but the, what changes is how you manage your emotions uh, if the referee makes a decision you're not happy with how do you manage that if a teammate mucks something up how do you manage that if you then drop a ball you miss kick you, something happens how do you then compose yourself to then go again so for me you know the you could you could pass it off as an emotional reaction, an uncontrolled emotional reaction, but realistically when you're at that level that shouldn't be coming out, and so that's why for me at that level there's probably more malice than emotional instability. Uh, yeah. Because you've been trained to be, if, if, if they, you know, I don't know, if they make a mistake, they're able to bounce back and score a goal or score a try or set something up. Yeah. So why are you not able to control your emotions in that sense? Yeah. So you, we would, we. I mean, you mentioned his name just a bit earlier. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reiterate. So we we got Luis Suarez, yeah. uh, Uruguay, Uruguay, Paraguay, Uruguayan, Uruguay, yeah. Uruguay. He moved from Uruguay. He went to uh, Groningen, which is in the north of Holland, is in the north of the Netherlands. Um, he had a troubled time there. I think we moved south down to Ajax, I think it was. Ajax, where he had his first biting incident. His first biting incident took place there. Then moved to, I think he went to Liverpool, where he had a a biting incident and a racial slur with uh, Patrice Evra. Yeah. And then for his national team as well, he had a bite out of uh, Chiellini of Italy. And just um, and then yeah, went down to and then he went down to Barcelona. Mm. Well, he was in the magnificent four, wasn't he? Really, there was him who was on. Don't get me wrong, as a player, yeah. <laughs> so, so outstanding. But it, but he was around Messi. Uh, he was with Messi. He was with yeah. Neymar, Neymar as well. I mean, far out three but of those strikers. He arrived there and he couldn't play for the first three months because of this bite he took out of uh, Chiellini in the World Cup. In the World Cup. But in that same World Cup, I think it was the same one, uh, Ghana were playing against Uruguay in the quarterfinals and there was a moment where Ghana would have been the first team to make it to the semi-final of a football World Cup. Ghana have a shot on goal in the last minutes, the game's drawing and Suarez pops up and saves it with his hand, gets an instant red card. The ball was going into the net. Was, but, but he, but he, took, but he took, took, two, took one for the team. Took one for the team. Minute, and then they obviously got penalty. He thought, OK, I'll take the risk that they have to score the penalty. And they didn't score it, and Ghana went out. Right. So Luis Suarez, I mean, when it comes to unsportsmanlike behaviour, there's a, a fair fair list for him. A fair old source. Well, we've we just got to almost wrap up there, but if I can ask you guys, you two each one more, what would be another two incidents of um, one of the, one of the sort of the, the best sporting uh, sportsmanships that you've come across, Rigo? What have you got? Well, you had the Jesse Owens, obviously you mentioned that, because yep. I think that's historic as well. Um, because of the circumstances surrounding it, yeah, you know, you can dissect it everywhere you, however way you want. Uh, the era, location, who's watching, who's uh, watching, yeah, Jesse Owens, being an African American okay. as well, 
in Nazi Germany at the time in and the having a German athlete, you know, who is representing the... the their nation. The, yeah, the, uh, the, the Nazi Germany. Like, it's, it's fairly, uh, a fairly important one. I mean, then you've got examples of uh, Freddie Flintoff, Brett Lee um, in the Ashes. You've got... There's, there's a ton you could go through, which are... But they, in hindsight, all seem quite... Minor. Yeah, minor compared to Jesse Owens for me. I think, yeah, the Jesse Owens thing is well, you need to remember at the time, not only was he persecuted when within Nazi Germany, also in the United States at the time as a black yeah. man. That's right, yeah. 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 His uh, protest, his uh, fist in the air, that wasn't against uh, the Nazi regime at all. Yeah. It was against the US regime at the time, so with the whole Black Panther movement. So we go Jesse Owens... Uh, Jesse Owens in Sint and then uh, pick your Louis Suarez in Sint for And oh, I thought Decanio, surely, no? <laughs> <laughs> Extremely biased, the one-eyed, the one-eyed Danny Hutchins with his West Ham uh, shirt on. Well, we need to uh, obviously conclude the, um, the the wrap of the show. I was, it was um, there are some events that were, sports only just starting, really kicking off again after the after the winter break. I know there was some basketball that was being um, being uh, played. The only real news coming out there, apart from the results, is that Christoph Fleming he's informed the club. Uh, Bertrand that he no longer wants to continue. Now they're currently in seventh place uh, in the table after uh, 15 game days. So a successor hasn't been determined yet. We have a damn good article on RTL.lu, which is a bit about, which we'll go into probably next week, Danny, about um, um, table tennis. And that is the number of um, foreign players that are playing in the local local league. They're out there. They're outnumbering. They're outnumbering them significantly. So there's a few. I wouldn't say questions being asked, but how do they? How do they evolve? Is it a good thing? There's an argument to, to say yes, it is, and is, is, is it a, is it a dampener? Then there's also an argument to say yes, what's right or wrong. That's why we're here on Let's Talk Sport to have a chat about it and see what is uh, what are the positives and what are the negatives. Now, don't forget tomorrow to uh, tune into the regulars. You've got Sam Steen show, which is at six a.m. Now I know Steps is taking that show. Um, We've got Ben Andrews, who's covering Steps uh, to show at uh, on the Lunchbox, which is at 12. We've got Melissa Dalton at 3 p.m. And just before I want to say everything, uh, so before I conclude to say cheer, I just want to say it's always a win when the athletes give back. So thank you to yourself, James. Thank you for Danny to join me, both athletes and coaches in your own right. And tonight on Let's Talk Sport, you are giving back. Until uh, until Sunday, Let's Talk Sport, 7 o'clock uh, with, with Scott and I. We, uh, we, I wish you a very good good week until then it's chur hurrah let's talk sport with scott brown and nathan snade